Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. They have won the Rachel Hayhoe Trophy. Well, haven't we witnessed some absolutely sensational test cricket? Ash Gardner, take a bow. Hello and welcome to Storylines, the women's cricket podcast. I'm Melissa Story and it's it's just me today bringing you the podcast. Nikki is just such a talented individual that she's been pretty busy, so it's fine. I said I can do this. I'm now sat down in bed with a cup of tea and I feel like I'm about to start reading you all an audiobook. Should we do like a bedtime story? No, I've got something more interesting for you today because today's episode, I'm speaking to a a pretty wonderful guest who I've actually played cricket against so many times and can vouch that she is truly, you know, one of the best individuals on and off the pitch. She is such great fun. And I can't wait for you to listen to this interview. Now, first up, there's a few things which I've got to plug. Of course, you can listen to our our brother podcast, Analyst Inside Cricket, where they are doing World Cup roundups. And of course, you can follow Simon's Indian travel blogs at Cricket Analyst One on Instagram. There's been some pretty good editing in those clips. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if Simon's doing them himself, but if he is, then he's got some pretty good, like, TikTok skills. I don't know about you. It's quite Gen Z of him. So I'm very impressed. But yeah, so always catch up with that content. And of course, go back and listen to all the previous Storylines episodes. I'm not biased, but I think we've got some pretty great ones and we've got some amazing content to bring you soon as well. Of course, you can always get in touch at Storylines Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Send us your thoughts. But for now, please enjoy the following interview. Now, I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast, I've got to get this right, I've got to take a deep breath, former Irish international in England, a cricketer, former Middlesex, current Essex County cricketer, coach at the National Fast Bowling Academy, recently appointed 
fast bowling coach of the Multan Sultans in the Pakistan Super League and someone who has probably hit me for more sixes in my cricketing career than I can remember. It is a pleasure to welcome Kath Dalton to the podcast. Hello everyone, I'm, I'm glad that intro was uh, listed probably all the teams that I failed for to be fair, uh, more than I succeeded. Uh, but yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Did I miss it? Obviously I missed a couple at the club level, but did I, did I miss any or did I perfectly stalk you? I think you've definitely perfectly stalked me there. That's, that's pretty good. Gunnersbury Cricket Club probably love a little shout out. I'm sure. Uh, but as as somehow we are rivals and I'm still unsure why uh, our clubs, but who knows? Who knows why? But it's good to give them a shout out anyway. Exactly. Shout out to Gunnersbury. And um, let's talk about this first up, because this is the amazing news which came out this last week. I've got to extend a huge congratulations for myself, Nikki, all of our listeners for your appointment as the Moltan Sultans fast bowling coach an absolute trailblazer in this regard has it quite settled in yet it really hasn't to be honest it's been a a crazy week I've I've been coaching as I normally do Um, I have a one-to-one business as you said I'm part of an academy as well and uh, running a national fast bowling academy here so I've been busy doing that and it it hasn't really sunk in just yet I've uh, I've been a lot busier than I normally am my phone (laughs) normally doesn't get this many messages unless it's black friday so um yeah it's been it's been pretty hectic but yeah i think the magnitude of it wasn't something that i kind of anticipated um i knew it was going to be big but i didn't quite realize that it would literally has gone global so um yeah the power of social media i think for that one i bet your instagram followers are looking very nice right now <laughs> I well, mean... they were very low so <laughs> they're getting a little bit higher but they're, they're still not that great to be fair and and the support online has been overwhelmingly positive of course it would be because of your amazing credentials but you know to be heading to a country with arguably some of the best fast bowlers in in the world right now you know, what are you most looking forward to? Who are some of the players you're looking forward to working with? The thing is, the draft hasn't happened yet. So I've kind of got my fingers crossed for the draft to see who who might come in, um, especially as overseas players. There's so much talent in Pakistan as well. As you said, there's a lot of guys who are bowling over 90 mile an hour regularly, like state players, first class players. There's, there's loads of players who are doing that. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually hopefully teaming up with two players I've already worked with who were part of the franchise last year. Um, Mohamed Ilyas and Samin Gould, they both played last year. So hopefully they're there because be, it'll be nice to see a friendly face. Um, but yeah, as you said, there's so much talent. So I'm hoping that I get to get my hands on a really talented fast bowler and fingers crossed maybe make them a bit better as well. And some of the scores in the PSL last year, I remember, were... Very high, to say the least. There was a lot of 200-plus scores. You're going to have your work cut out, you feel? Yeah, definitely. I think the PSL as a competition is is normally quite high scoring. As you said, last year was very high scoring. Um, so, yes, I've got my work a little bit cut out. It's a little bit different to the conditions that are here in, in the UK. So, um, you know, it'll be a lot flatter. Obviously, the surfaces are a lot flatter. Um, but it's an exciting competition and the whole country gets around it. I think that's the thing I'm most looking forward to is packed stadiums and and being out there in the middle of it is is going to be pretty cool. And you've mentioned in, in some of the interviews you've already done this week, you mentioned it's been hectic, that you know, you're hoping to inspire women and girls in Pakistan to take up cricket. And besides from being a role model 
on the pitch and in your coaching position are there going to be any opportunities do you think to to get involved in the local communities I hope so I've been to Pakistan twice uh, with the owner Ali Tareen um, out to Lodron and we've coached some of the females out there already and the excitement levels they had when they were getting coaching because we take for granted here that we can just go to a local cricket club find a coach move up the system Whereas in Pakistan, it's very different and it's very difficult to actually find coaches, particularly as a female player. Um, so that was that really impacted me. We spent a morning with the girls there, um, women and girls who play for their local clubs, and they just wanted any bit of information they could get just to get better. So fingers crossed that does happen. Knowing Ali, he's certainly a visionary um, and in trying to empower women uh, through sport so hopefully we find some opportunities to do that while I'm there and speaking of being with the girls of course you're not going to be alone at this franchise because we got the news this last week as well that you're going to be joined by your old Middlesex teammate Alex Hartley there's going to be some antics out there I feel with you too yeah we're, we're old teammates as well um as you said earlier played for Middlesex with Alex so uh and and Alex was part of Gunnersbury as well so we know each other pretty well uh, I think might be five seasons Alex and I played together might be a little less but yeah she's a fantastic character as you know um, so there won't be a dull moment when Alex is there it's nice though isn't it it's not just me I didn't know that either I found the news out exactly the same as everybody else so um been messaging Alex and uh, yeah we're really looking forward to getting going and to share this journey with her is quite special I was going to mention of course Alex doing a lot in the broadcasting world but almost at the start of her coaching journey with you there with so much experience it really feels like it's going to be an environment where you can you can help each other learn from each other and support each other yeah 100 percent. as you said Alex is really well known um in the cricketing world and she's been to a lot of places she's seen a hell of a lot of cricket obviously she's out at the world cup at the moment as we know so learning off her and I haven't seen her a huge amount since um her playing days with England so actually having a chat to her about those experiences as well would be really interesting. And as you said, it's just somebody to bounce off, bounce ideas off. It's it's going to be a long tournament. I think four weeks is a tournament in total. So we could be there five weeks. So yeah, we're going to have to <laughs> bounce ideas off each other and um, make sure we keep each other going. I'm sure it'd be great. Now we've got you on the podcast today to pick your brains about fast bowling because whilst me and Nikki would love to consider ourselves experts, we're definitely not and you know we've seen a revolution as of late in women's cricket with the number of brilliant fast bowlers coming through the ranks and you know this isn't something new we've got the greats we've got the Catherine Silver Brunts the Shabnam Ishmael's Leah Tahuhu's Elise Perry but you know we've got Darcy Brown Lauren Bell Renuka Singh Takur Izzy Wong Mahika Gore the list could go on and you know it, it feels like a really exciting time to be looking and, and watching these fast bowlers come through the ranks so to start things off, what are the key, some of the key factors to, to how fast someone can bowl? Well, that, uh, firstly, I've seen you bowl and, and you're not as slow or as bad as you think you are. <laughs> so let's just throw that out there for these listeners. There is some knowledge on the other side of this microphone, that's for sure. Um, I appreciate yeah, that. But, Thank you. <laughs> there, are, there are a bit like batting techniques. So there's, there's style and structure within a fast bowler. So style is something that is unique to you. That's how you do things. That's um, if you think of Catherine Brunt, you probably think of somebody who's very aggressive, quite side on in her in her load up. She looks to be aggressive, hit the pitch. Um, 
you, you think of Shabna and Ishmael, you think high jump, she jumps in high and she's also quite quick through the crease. Everyone has their own sort of style of bowling, but there are some key factors, a bit like batting, fundamental techniques within batting. There are the same in bowling um, that determine whether you're going to bowl fast or could you bowl faster? For example, if you have a bent front leg, as an example, you're absorbing a lot of energy into that leg. If you kept that straight, doesn't mean you can't bowl fast if you've got a bent front leg, but you could bowl technically faster if you had it straight. So think about it. If if you trip over, your legs stop, but your top half accelerates. So it's the same for keeping your front leg straight. If you block the base, it accelerates the top. So that's one of the factors that can help you bowl faster. The second is uh, trunk flexion, or we call it in, in our academy, chest drive. So like a rope in the middle of your chest and the batter's pulling you towards it. If you if you go that way, you're going to bowl a little bit faster. Um, using your hips, we know in other sports, if we take golf, for example, even power hitting and batting, we've seen a lot of coaches. I know Julian Wood certainly coaches this as well. Is rotating your hips before you hit the ball. It's the same for all kind of power ballistic sports. And the same for fast bowling. If you use your hips before you bowl the ball, you're going to bowl faster. Um, I could go on. Sorry. I mean, first of all, I love the the, the use your hips sounds like a, a bit of feedback on Strictly whenever you have the ex-footballer coming on and Bruno's like, use your hips. Come on, man. No, honestly, go on because this is this is fascinating. Yeah. And, and the third one, would, would, well, there's loads, but another one would be uh, pulling your arm back a, a lot further. So think of a catapult. The further you stretch that, the more power you're going to get. So for fast bowlers, if you have a tradition, people say slingy action's a bad thing, not necessarily. Um, if you have a slingy action, that's fine. Um, and then thirdly, dragging your back foot. If you So as a right arm bowler, if you're dragging your right foot, you get something called more ground reaction force. So it's more stable. Think about batting. If you hit off one leg, that's not really going to be great unless you've timed it really well. If you hit it off two, you're going to have more power. So coaches talk about stable base in batting, but not necessarily in bowling. So there are a few factors that can really help you increase your pace. Or the best the best example, I think, in women's cricket, Shabna Ishmael. And actually, um, I watched her in the World Cup in South Africa and I was screaming at the TV because she hit 80 miles an hour on the speed gun. And I thought, she's the first female to do this. Why is nobody making a big deal out of it? And I don't know whether that speed gun was correct or not, but she is a quick bowler. And obviously, you know her as well. She, she's not massively tall, but she's very explosive and she's got a fantastic bowling action. And that really helps her to bowl fast. Looking at the comparisons between female and male bowlers, what are the kind of key differences you've noticed either in, in the kind of biometric side of things or in terms of the, the swing generated? Yeah, I think if you look at any sport, the fundamentals are quite similar. Um, as I said, it, the style changes depending on the person. You find females a little bit more flexible. Um, they can tend to get into positions better. They seem to all, a lot of bowlers I've worked with who are female seem to have better range of motion. So that, that slingshot I was talking about earlier, that catapult effect, they seem to find it easier to get into those positions. Um, I'm not sure why. And, and this is an argument for maybe scientific research is really dominated by males. So a lot of the papers I'll read as a fast bowling coach will be about male fast bowlers rather than female fast bowlers. There are a few but there should be more um, because as a coach, you need to be informed as well. 
but the, the fundamentals of how to generate speed in the human body are, are very similar, male to female. Speed is um, swing is an interesting one because swing uh, actually, when you bowl at a lower speed, you can get more swing. So I think the optimum, and and don't quote me on this because I read this research paper recently, but not I haven't highlighted every section. I think it's sixty nine to eighty three miles an hour is the optimum level for swing. So you think of someone like Jimmy Anderson, who's bowling mid to low eighties, he's hitting that optimum. We saw in the Ashes, uh, women's Ashes, there was a lot of swing being bowled. I think that was talked about a lot, um, and they're hitting those speeds, maybe seventy mile an hour plus. So they're optimum for swing. The higher up you go in terms of speed, you don't, it doesn't swing as much. There are also other factors to swing, like wind direction. So if it's really windy, it's going to swing a little bit more. Um, wrist position is obviously a key one. And then the seam angle, obviously, it's like a rudder on a ship. You need to point it in the direction you want to swing the ball. So there are lots of factors that affect swing. But yeah, the speed of bowling is an interesting one. I mean, you mentioned the ashes and... Just how noticeable it was, I think, particularly in my position from watching the county championship at the start of the season where there's, you know, a lot of away swingers and then going into the women's ashes where most of the swing bowling was these hooping in swingers from from Lauren Bell and Lauren Filer. And, you know, it's something you just don't see as much in, in the men's game. And as you say, it's, it's most likely as those bowlers are hitting that, that maximum, that are uh, hitting that ultimate speed. Yeah, it can be. I also think... If I think about my personal journey and, and listening to other coaches when I was bowling, they would always say, don't bowl in swing. And they would always say, bowl, you've got to bowl out swing. And I, I remember thinking, well, that's really strange because Anya Shrubsaw was pretty much the era I was growing up in, an, an incredible in-swing bowler. But I always got told, no, 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 in-swing is just a variation. And I just wonder how many young fast bowlers have grown up hearing that. You want to shape it away to the slips. And and that really does influence you as a player. I mean, you must have had this experience as well. And I, I thought about it a lot as well. And I, I wonder how much of it is, you know, coaches coming from a background where they're playing men's cricket more, perhaps a longer format where they will keep two or three slips in for, for a longer periods. But so many factors make the women's game different the bowling being slightly slower means you have those close catches in almost at mid-wicket extra cover the the quality of pitches you're playing playing on often tend to be a bit worse not always but a lot of the times the ball's keeping low and you know I, I, I've seen so many you know women's games where just bowling outside the off stump isn't it's not really a, a wicket taking option if you don't have that slip in whilst you see this in-swing bowling and going, actually, in the 50-over, 20-over formats, we see these internationals playing. They're not playing much test cricket. So, of course, they need to swing the ball in and keep the stumps in play. Yeah, I think I think the format, as you said, is massively important. And you adapt to that format as a player. And then also the coaching. I mean, we've only just seen professionalism in this country come in. And, and it probably should have been a lot, long, a lot earlier and for a lot longer than it has. Um, so you know, you find your own way when you're not getting that exposure to good coaching. I also remember a time really when I was playing first playing county cricket that every coach would say to a fast bowler, slow down and bowl a line and length. Everything was about bowling slowly. Don't bowl a bouncer. Why are you trying to bowl a bouncer? And actually that that's taken, I think, a lot of fast bowlers who were trying to bowl fast in the women's game, probably taken them to now where I'm hearing coaches say, just bowl fast. 
will work out what stumps are as you get older and you mature in your career. So I think it's a mindset change, but you're also right. The format, um, there's not a lot of four-day cricket, five-day cricket, test match cricket being played by women. So hopefully that changes over the next few years. Um, and that would be fantastic because it would just improve the game no end. I you mentioned coaches wanting to, to push female bowlers now just to bowl as quick as possible. What are some of the, the common risks of fast bowling and are women prone to any particular other types of injury we've seen Tash Farrant Katie George you know Elise Perry have kind of injuries due to their fast bowling recently I think stress fractures is a massive one at the moment and I, I don't think that's exclusive to female fast bowlers that's that's across the board in the men's game as well uh, obviously we've seen Joffre Archer really struggle recently as well um, I saw Tash Farrant's news as well. That wasn't good for her. There's been a lot of injuries, back injuries in particular. Um, whether they're being better diagnosed now than they probably were 20, 30 years ago, I'd probably argue and say yes, they are. Um, but it's also that that can come from over bowling, poor action, spiking workload. That's a big thing now in the women's game. I hear a lot of the players talk about, I've got these workloads, I can't go over them. So, there's a lot more knowledge now going into certainly into the women's game and um, hopefully that prevents injuries. I mean, I see a lot more shoulder injuries, I think, in female cricketers. There's been a bit of research on that. Um, so hopefully over the next few years, while women's cricket becomes more and more professional, it gets more exposure that these uh, research research can start to be done into these areas because it's, it's fundamental for people's livelihoods now it's their careers I mean we, we've seen a lot of talk in women's football at the moment with the number of ACL injuries um, happening there and there's some speculation that footwear is one of the causes because a lot of the footwear is, is tailored for, for male athletes and another is that as you mentioned earlier there's not enough kind of research into the biomechanics into the, the strength and conditioning in a specific way, which is tailored to, to female athletes. It's, is this something you look at in your coaching roles, all these supplemental kind of factors? Yeah, 100%. I think when you're working with an individual, you look at every factor that goes into that player, uh, male or female. But you're right. I mean, we're seeing a lot of ACL injuries in women's football, which isn't good. And, and that is something that needs to be sorted out. I mean, something as simple as footwear really should be looked at. Um, you know, I know the game's professional, but that should come before professionalism, to be honest. Um, that should be should have been looked at a long time ago. So hopefully, as I said earlier, now that there's a bit more research, there's a lot more awareness. I think social media can be bad, but it can be good for some things. And I think this is one of the things it's been good for. It's exposure for women's sport. And, and there's a demand for it. So hopefully a lot more is invested into it over the next few years. Now, something about bowling fast from a batter's perspective now is does pushing yourself almost to the limits of fast bowling make that difference for example would bowling 75 80 make that much of a difference to bowling 65 you know 70 how how does a a batter kind of track the moving ball essentially I'm asking you for batting advice because we've both seen this and I'm, I'm not going to be the one to give advice on this so yeah do, does it really make that difference really pushing yourself to the max yeah I think so um having faced Shabnam Ishmael a few times which wasn't that pleasant to be quite honest um 
don't look at my record for that. Uh, so, yeah, you can... A bit of nighttime reading for me there. There we go. <laughs> Quit speed makes a massive difference. I think it does. It, reaction time, it slows your reaction time. You've got less time to react. Um, when you've got somebody bowling a lot slow, you've got a lot more time to think. And I just... It's a, just a lot easier. But, um, yeah, I, th I just think the more we push fast bowling, particularly in the female game... I don't know what the limit is. I was really excited to see somebody finally break that 80 mile an hour barrier. Catherine Fitzpatrick was the one before that. It was 79.46. It was some ridiculous number. Um, and she was close to 80, but nobody had hit 80. So the fact that Shabnam and Ishmael has done that now, I, you just don't know what the limit could be. And on top of that, I think now we're seeing money going into the women's cricket, you know, with... Uh, big franchise tournaments coming in. I know the hundreds happened in this country, but obviously globally there's more tournaments. They might attract, well, it should and will attract more female athletes, people who are conducive to bowling fast and want to bowl fast and more athletes will come into the sport because there's a bit of money in it, potentially, more exposure. And what will that barrier be? How quickly could a female fast bowler bowl? Who knows? But, 60-something isn't threatening anymore, is it? I mean, you look at the likes of bowlers running up and bowling at Tammy Beaumont in that Ashes series, and they're not bowling very quickly, and she's got no issues with them. But if somebody ran in at 80, that's a slightly different challenge, I think. Well, this is something I was, I was going to ask you as well, because, of course, you know, batters are able to just go into the nets, pop the bowling machine on 80 if they wanted and just practice against that and get used to playing the ball at that quicker pace so that when they go back to playing the women's game, as you say, the, the speed isn't troubling. So when you look at some of the bowlers who have succeeded in this English women's team recently, for example, Lauren Filer, she's got height, pace, and she uses the pitch nicely. Anya Shrobsol, you mentioned, had that amazing loopy swing. Julian Goswami has her height as well. To succeed as a fast bowler in cricket... Do you have to always have that point of difference to, to make you stand out and that one unique kind of thing in your armoury? I think every every sports person who's made it professionally has to have that unique difference. I mean, Lauren Filer, as you mentioned earlier, she, she kind of hit hit the ground running, didn't she, this summer? She made a, certainly made a name for herself. And it was more on commentary, people talking about her speed. Like she was She was quick compared to the other bowlers on show. Um, so yeah I think you have to have a point of difference I mean I think of Anya Shrobsall and I think of swing I just think of in swing straight away if someone says her name I just think in swing um, but so you have to have a point of difference and you have to have something that takes wickets but then the other thing is if you're going to play around the world you're going to play franchise cricket or you're going to go and play in World Cups that are in different countries as we've seen with this England team recently you have to have more than one skill you can't just be fast and not swing it or you can't be just good at swing bowling but not able to seam it because a pitch can really find you out so it's about being yes having your, your kind of skill that is your strength but also being able to be adaptable is a massive thing I think. I'm glad you said that the, the first thing which comes to mind when you think of Annie Shrubs I was in swing because my, that's probably the second thing in my mind but the first is always the night we discovered when she dressed up as Noah in Noah's Ark on a university social one day and discovered the picture of Annie Shrubsoul with a big bushy beard and a big staff. It was a, 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 probably a, a life-changing moment for me there. And of course, 
it's brilliant and exciting to be talking about fast bowling. But for those who follow the women's game closely will know that spin is very dominant. You know, it is used for so many overs and particularly at a domestic level. So that step down from international, it, it really does dominate you know, the play when you have those players who have just become professionals and they're potentially not as good at playing those those powerful shots against spin. It really can squeeze the game and, and, and kind of slow the game down. With so much spin being used in the women's game on, you know, in that respect, how do you see pace bowling almost progressing in the women's game and making sure it doesn't just become that style of bowling where it's the hit me, this is the, the point we need to score runs because we're not going to get any runs against the spinners. Yeah, I, I think that potentially it's just getting bowlers to be better because if, you've got, if you're a great fast bowler, you're a great fast bowler um, and nobody wants to face you. So, you know, I wouldn't really want to face um, Anya Shrovsol, to be quite honest. If I had a choice, I think I'd rather face a spinner. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, spin has dominated women's cricket and I think it has dominated women's cricket for a long time uh, whether we see over the next couple of years more female fast bowlers coming through I know certainly at the levels I'm coaching I'm seeing a lot more girls wanting to bowl fast which is great whereas it used to be just as you said just dominated by spin or medium pace bowlers trying to hit hit a length I'm now seeing a passion for people wanting wanting to bowl quickly. Um, actually, one of my students debuted for Sunrisers this year. She's only 16 and she loves bowling fast. Um, so I won't say her name because I'll embarrass her. But yeah, she, she, you could probably Google her. But she loves bowling fast. And she's not she's not rapid at the moment, but she's got a lot of maturity to go. She's only 16 years old. So the more we encourage, I think, at, even at grassroots level for people to to bowl fast, that will then filter up up to domestic level. If it's not happening at grassroots level, it's not going to happen up further further up the food chain. So I'm hoping one day fast bowling will dominate the female game and it'll be the other way around. And everyone will be saying, where are the spin bowlers? <laughs> but, you know, it can only do so much of a job. I mean, I would love to see that too, because there's nothing worse as a seamer getting through your over, going down to deep third, and then having about... 50 seconds recovery time because there's a spinner at the other end. I, I need some more fast bowlers, please, just to give me time to get my breath back. <laughs> yeah, let's let's hope I can produce a few for you and then they can bowl at the other end. <laughs> Thank you. You mentioned one of your, you know, the, the people you've coached there being just 16 years old. Um how is it coaching, you know, these players who, who are still going through puberty, let's say, or still growing and developing and wanting to push them, but obviously not wanting to push them to tip towards injury? Yeah, I think it's a delicate balance, isn't it? Um, when you're working with young players, uh, certainly on the academy I work on, we've got a really good strength and conditioning coach. Uh, he, he looks at all elements for really for us as fast bowling coaches, uh, like their height, weight, what, what stage they're at, where they're strong, where they're weak. And I think all those things come into play uh, when you're trying to make a technical change, certainly from a bio, biomechanics perspective. If you're trying to make a change, is this going to be okay for this player? Um, so there's a lot of thought that goes around a certain individual player. It's not just dive in and, and coach straight away. But yeah, you're right. When you're working with young female fast bowlers or young fast bowlers in general, you need to make sure that you're getting that balance right, that the, the technical change or the thing they're working on 
is going to enhance their performance and not cause injury because the idea of a coach is to prevent injury and hopefully enhance performance. And every club cricketer listening to this and international cricketer will will know too, is about the yips. And, you know, we saw Izzy Wong this summer, for example, struggle a bit with her rhythm and... I think a lot of people said having all these different kind of coaching voices giving her instructions and that kind of being confusing for someone who is very much on, you know, the the world stage, but still so young. As a coach, how do you help a player get over the yips? Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because that is such a unique thing to the individual and it can be overload of information. So as you said, it can be lots of coaches telling you lots of different things. And then you're trying to please every coach. Then you start doing all these things that they've told you to do. And you're overthinking and you can't bowl anymore. Um, that, that does happen. Um, so you need to learn to filter and work out what works best for you. And I hope that I'm open and approachable enough in my coaching. And I say this to my players a lot. If you don't like what I've said, it's fine. It doesn't matter. We can look at another way of doing things. Um, so... I, as a player, I think it's working out what works best for you and then going with that no matter what anybody else says because ultimately it's your cricket career and you're the one who's in control. You're the one at the top of your mark having to trust what you're doing. And if you don't trust what you're doing, that's a really difficult place to be. Obviously, there are psychological things you can do. Routines being a big one, fast bowlers love routines. They're delicate souls, fast bowlers. Um, they love a routine. They have to have a certain method of doing things and that's fine. Um, so as a coach, you have to learn to work with that individual player and not dive in too much, making sure that it's it's, it's kind of a, a relationship where you can bounce things back and forth. It doesn't have to be your way or the highway. It's, it's a, a nice balance, I think, helps players. But with the yips in particular, I found players who have had that and gotten over it through volume of overs and just bowling and and almost losing the the fear of failure because because that's what it is it's fear of disappointing yourself disappointing your teammates or embarrassing yourself and actually when you get rid of that it's fine you realize it's just a game of cricket and it always has been so you just run up and bowl but having a routine to cling on to can be very helpful so if you have a focus like hit the wicket keeper's gloves or I think of my load up or you have one thought, then that can really help just unlock your game. And then when you're in the heat at the moment, as you know, you've bowled at me, you just end up, you just end up playing, don't you? You end up being a bit more angry than you ever thought you could get. We've spoken obviously about bowling fast and and how effective that is, but part of being a, a modern bowler is having that, those variations and being able to bowl those slower balls. How, how do you approach kind of, teaching particularly younger players to, to build up those variations? I try to coach um, variations as young as possible. And the reason for that is it's loads of fun and kids love it. They love bowling different variations. Yeah, back of the hand, slower balls, cutters. Um, there's so many, vari- like knuckle balls, there's so many variations of these deliveries as well, which is for them to experiment and and kind of work out for themselves what works best for them. So Yorkers, slow ball bouncers, bouncers, they're great fun to bowl, especially in the nets, as you know. It's great bowling a bouncer at somebody in in pitch black nets where you can't see at nine o'clock at night on a summer's evening. But yeah, I think 
teaching players as young as possible. It's almost like going around a dartboard. Um, just try it. And the better you get at that, the more feel you get for bowling. Because bowling is ultimately about feel. So the more you practice these skills, the better you'll get. And then if you start in them at age 9, 10, 11, by the time you're 15, 16, 17, it's easy, isn't it? I mean, I theoretically easy. I My favourite thing ever was once when I was bowling to Alice Capsey in, it would have been a regional academy game years and years ago. And I, I wasn't the fittest at the time. I think I was into my third over. I was running in with not much speed behind me. One absolutely floated down to the other end. She top-edged it, got caught out and went, oh, that's a nice slower ball. And I was like, yeah, slower ball. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that one. So there we go. I can claim I got Alice Capsey out with a slower ball. Yeah, Natural slur variation. Exactly, Natural variation. exactly. Nothing better. Oh, I'll, I'll claim that. I'll claim it. As a as a coach, do you have any you know success stories or or any really you know rewarding experiences you you've had with players which you know you would you would want to share? I think the the most famous one, if I can call it that, would be Deepak Chaha. So I I got appointed with my coach actually, a mentor, Ian Pont. We got invited out by this is crazy by Lalit Modi, uh, who designed and created the IPL. Um, he invited us to Rajasthan Cricket Association in 2016, this was. And we did a 10-day camp. Uh, we worked with two first-class bowlers who, who were in the stateside at the time. And a lot of the players were under 23, under 19, under 15, male and female state players. And it was a crazy camp. I think we worked with 200 bowlers across the course of 10 days. One of the lunch times, we're like clearing up, packing up with some of the other coaches and this guy comes over to us and said he's hopped the fence to come in. And we said, OK. And he said uh, to Ian, you're Ian Pont and, you're, and to me, you're Calf Dalton. We were like, yes. And he said, um, I want to work on my fast bowling. I've been working on my fast bowling. I did play one or two first class games for the stateside. Um, and then I've been dropped and I've been banned from from training he wasn't even allowed on the premises um we said okay well let's clear that we're allowed to work with you first so we they, we got clearance um we worked with this player every lunchtime in 40 degree heat uh for 10 days and we worked really hard on his technique we gave him some slower balls some variations really good bowler turns out that player was Deepak Chahar he has now gone on to win the IPL I think twice He's got the best uh, T20 wickets or figures in, in T20 cricket. Um, and he is a mega superstar. He doesn't actually contact us anymore, would you believe? But he, he was very nice for a good few years. He was he, he We did keep in touch. We did help him a bit with his fast bowling over those years. But uh, lovely guy and he's gone on to do great things. So that would probably be my most exciting um, or famous success story. But to be honest with you, anybody that I work with who achieves something they don't believe they can achieve, that's the reason I went into coaching. Because that joy you see on their face when they bowl a slow ball, they take their first under 11 county goals wicket or whatever they do, they make it to a level they never thought they could. That's what drives me as a coach for sure. Well, maybe. I was just thinking that the reason he's not in contact anymore since those IPL wins, he's worried you two would be coming in trying to get a cut of that paycheck for the winner's fee. But... Maybe, you know, he it's a brilliant story. And, you know, in terms of your aspirations 
not only as, as a coach, we've mentioned you, you're still playing, and also as a commentator, you do summarising for, for talk sport on the cricket, and you've got so much going on, it's wonderful. What are your kind of goals going forward? I mean, the commentary side is, is great fun. Uh, I was very lucky to, to be asked to talk sport last year. I, was, I wasn't even thinking of being a commentator, to be honest. I got asked to do one regional women's game, um, and I got thrown in at the deep end, to be quite honest with you, because I was on BBC Essex Live on my very first time. And I really enjoyed it. So I did a little bit of that and then did talk sport. But my real ambition is in coaching, to be honest. And I thought I would, you know, I would like to eventually break a glass ceiling in women's fast, well, being a female fast bowling coach in a men's team at some point. But to be quite honest with you, I thought that'd be 10 years from now, not... Not now. I didn't think it'd be this soon. So I'm going to have to reevaluate my goals. No, I'm joking. Um, I would. I would love to be a head coach one day. International head coach would be would be a great achievement. That'll be. That is a goal of mine. Long term goal of mine. So let's see how it goes. That's brilliant. And just to to round things off, first of all, I'm going to suggest this name. It's Calf's Clinic. Now. Tail enders, if you're listening to this, I doubt you are because I'm pretty sure you're selling out an arena in Sheffield right now. But this is not a copy, a copy of the Jimmy Anderson Clinic. This is just Calf's Clinic where I'm just going to say something, for example, and you're going to tell me how I can help out this, this kind of technique. So, for example, for myself, you mentioned earlier, Calf, that it helps to have that braced front leg when you're going into bowl in, in your delivery stride. I have really, really struggled with that. For ages, my front leg is always bent. As a coach, what would you be saying to, to a player who might be having this problem like me? I would firstly say that potentially it could be something like you've got tight hamstrings. So sometimes when you have tight hamstrings, that, that can make your knee bend. Um, it could be you're bowling off your toe. So when you bowl, you know, if you land with your toe first, that's, that that makes it really difficult to brace your leg. So if you bowl more flat foot or heel strike than flat foot, that can make that can help keep your front leg straight. Um, it could be you crossing your feet over. There, there's so many things. It could be you as a right arm bowler, your left foot's going across you. You never really want to keep your leg braced in that position. So, and it's about repetition, which you don't have time for anymore. So I hear, uh, but <laughs> repetition of doing doing the uh, drills enough. So starting slow with walkthroughs building up jog throughs run throughs with and without a ball and I say without because when you're trying to change technique everybody says it in a live net session with a batter at the other end and the one thing you're worried about is where the ball go goes not about what you're doing in your technique so if you build up your technique away from the net and then do your drills eventually it will come into your bowling action and it will feel normal and natural normal and natural is just something you do over and over again so the more you do something the more natural it feels so hopefully you'll be bowling a little bit quicker next season. Hopefully for those three games I managed to find time for. Thank you so much. And just in, to open up Calf's Clinic to all the listeners, are there any of your biggest tips you would have for, for any fast bowlers listening to this podcast? Any fast bowlers who are listening, just bowl fast. Every time somebody says, slow down, just bowl a line on length, ignore them. Just keep running in, keep bowling fast, and eventually you'll work out where those stumps are. Brilliant. Kath, thank you so much for your time today. We know you've been very busy and your phone's probably 
absolutely blown up with all the notifications in the time we've, we've been speaking. We're going to be keeping a close eye on that Moltan Soltan draft for you to make sure that they sign some very quick bowlers for you to work with. And again, just a massive congratulations for everything you've achieved so far. And just so exciting to see where you're going to go. Thank you. And uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. Wow, wow, wow. What an interview that was. I genuinely, I kind of explained it to Kath after the interview that, you know, like when someone is teaching you the rules to a new card game and even though you're looking at them and you're nodding your head, you're sometimes not quite paying attention. I kind of explained that previously when I've been coached, I do tend to have that kind of issue that I'm focusing on a, on a fly behind their left shoulder rather than what they're saying. But every single thing Kath was saying, I was just hanging on to the words. And I mean, I've got quite a long corridor in my flat. So I'm thinking if I can mark out my bowling run up, I can practice a, a few of those attempts at bracing my front leg a little bit more and hopefully I'll get a bit more pace on the ball. But it was incredible to, to hear her insight as a bowling coach. And I know that after that interview and even before then, a lot of us will be looking towards that Moldan Sultan squad, seeing who they pick up in the draft and hoping that they win the Pakistan Super League, essentially. This podcast is now a Moldan Sultan superfan podcast. And if they don't do well, well, it's not Kaf and Alex's fault. You know, they did everything they can. There must have been another reason. But I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Now, don't worry, you don't have to listen to much more from me. I hosted the Gloucestershire Cricket Foundation Community Awards tonight, and I've heard my voice enough. And you know what? I can already feel the judgment of my neighbours going. She has been talking to herself for quite a while now. Do we think things are okay in there? I promise you guys, things are things are okay-ish. But yeah, Please leave us feedback at Storylines Pod on Instagram or Twitter. Leave us a review and, of course, get in touch for what you'd like us to talk about in the future. Is there any guests you'd like to see? We love taking your feedback on board to help us grow as a podcast. But for now, thank you so much for listening. And because Nikki's not here, I'm going to have to do it. Bye. Podcast Network.